All right, guys, welcome to the first of the Let's Talk Tennis uh, podcast. I am your host today, Tom Jabot, and I'm joined here with Martin Harach and Juan Bulls. And uh, to give a little bit of context, we are ex-college tennis players and um, ex, well, for me, I'm an ex-high performance coach and uh, Martin and, and Juan are still coaching. And we wanted to put this podcast together so that we could um, talk about tennis, talk about the professional game, talk about the um, junior development sides. We've all been heavily involved in that in our coaching careers and anything really tennis related. I think we, we feel like tennis should be talked about more and this is a great platform for us to kind of share our opinions. We don't by any means think that our opinions are absolute fact or true. We, we are hoping to just start the conversation. So, uh, Marty, if I hand it over to you, you can introduce yourself. Yeah, of course. Uh, hi, everybody. Uh, Martin Harach here, former college player with Tom and Joan. Coached tennis for many years, especially on the high performance side. And now I'm currently running a business more uh, on the fitness side. So strength and conditioning for tennis players called Functional Tennis Training. Cool. All right, over to you, Joan. What you got? Hello, boys. Yeah, my name is John Balz, and I also play college uh, with Martin and Tom. Uh, I'm currently also a, a coach. Uh, I worked at the Nadal Academy in Mallorca as a high-performance coach, and I am currently working in, in, the, in the Nadal Academy as well in Kuwait, uh, just coaching junior players here. And I am also running a, an agency to, to send kids to the, to the U.S. to play college tennis. Uh, so... I'm happy to be here. Cool. And just to give everybody a bit of background for me is I was a uh, director of high performance and junior tennis for a company called Genesis Health Clubs. Um, I now own Morgan Jabot Health Services and do online personal training, uh, in-person personal training and online nutrition and um, in-person nutrition. And I'm still in the tennis game doing uh, tennis mentoring uh, for about 10 players at the moment. So um, so cool. Basically, today we're going to start the conversation and uh, I just wanted to talk to you guys about this crazy year. 2020 has been a very, very strange time for everybody, but tennis especially has taken a big hit um, because for players for a long period of time, especially in lockdowns all over the world, they couldn't practice. And uh, the professional game was, I mean, Wimbledon, the first time ever that Wimbledon's not been uh, hosted and French Open was at a different time this year and very limited crowds. What do you guys take from 2020 when it, in regards to tennis? Well, I think, uh, in my opinion, uh, from the junior side, uh, it's, it's changing uh, things a lot uh, because many, many players uh, are not uh, actually able to even compete at the moment. Mm. Uh, there are tournaments that have been cancelled and not only that there at least in Spain for example where which is where I am from uh, in many many communities and, and regions of Spain clubs are completely shut down the junior players cannot even have a normal practice with with their coaches uh, so right. it's been very challenging yeah I mean I think that's I mean We've never had, for us as juniors, we never had a period of time where we were told we cannot play. Um, and the mental side of that, to be able to, to not be able to practice, to, to not be able to compete, 
must be extremely hard for that age group. Marty, have you seen anything on your end that, um, that junior players have been struggling with or what's your take? Um, to be honest, in, in the U.S., it hasn't been as bad. They have canceled tournaments for a while, but now they're up and running. But I would say during that time that everybody was locked down, it was really hard to keep our players motivated, even disciplined to you know, keep up with their fitness, keep up with mm -hmm. their tennis somehow or, or do something to help their game. But uh, now that it's up and running again, there's tournaments going on. People are more motivated. And, uh, you know, starting to pick up again. So I'm thankful for that over here. Yeah, I think it, it's obviously something that could be seen as a benefit as well, is that we look at 2020 as a negative, right? But when something's taken away from someone that they perceive to be so passionate about, and then it's taken away, when it's given back to them, I think some players will thrive. Some players will realize just how lucky they were to be competing, like how lucky they were to be training. And, uh, and, and when it's taken away, you kind of appreciate it more. Um, I, I resigned from, from coaching uh, tennis at the end of 2019, just before the pandemic hit. So, but I was still mentoring a few players at that point. Um, and I've built that kind of over, over this year. And it's been a way for me to adapt. What have you guys had to do um, coaching-wise to adapt to 2020? Well, I would say uh, personally, it's, it hasn't changed as much as I said over here. But... There are more um, uh, tournaments are being more scrutinized in the sense that players have to do more things on top of already all the preparation that yeah. comes into place for the tournament. And it, like you said, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's a blessing to be back. So they're happy mm -hmm. and, you know, they're ready to play, but it's, it's another factor added to the game, which makes it a challenge. But, uh, yeah. you know, get, getting through it, they're still doing well and they're able to compete. So that's, a, that's always a positive. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Volsey, have you, have you had any, anything you've had to change with, like, the way you coach, the way you um, go about your, your training with your players? Well, not, not really change, but like I mentioned before, uh, you just, just had to really adapt to the situation uh, that we were living this year because... Uh, like I said, uh, many things were clubs have been closed and players, at least I'm talking from 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 Spain, yeah. but uh, players have not been practicing much. So it's like Marty said, like when when uh, the government allowed clubs to be reopened again, uh, it was a very you know a really big excitement not just for the coaches but for the players uh, just to have yeah. a couple of hours in of practice and 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 just realize what what they were maybe not appreciating as much before this pandemic uh, hit. Yeah. And I, I, we all know that part of tennis is momentum, right? A big part of tennis is momentum and being able to build a momentum. And there's probably been a lot of players this year that feel like their momentum was cut. And like some players could have been doing really well towards the end of 2019. They go in 2020 with all these goals and then it gets cut. It's going to be interesting to see how young players adapt to what's happened this year, whether they can step up and keep continuing goals or have had to reevaluate goals and, and coaches as well, because all of us being coaches, especially in the high performance world, it's so important that when you're working with players on a daily basis that you are kind of trying to keep momentum going in a certain direction and you're not just it because obviously tennis can become this mundane, like I've got to practice six seven days a week and 
four days off is a lot for a tennis player. It feels a lot for a tennis player. Taking four months off this year is um, is unheard of. So we, that would never happen, you know, in our coaching careers. We'd never say, oh, yeah, by the way, just take four months off and come back. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so it's going to be interesting yeah. to see how the industry itself copes with it, but also the coaches and the players and how they're going to have to come up with ways to re-motivate players or re-adapt to the situation. But it's interesting. I was watching, obviously, the ATP Tour finals this week. And it's for me, it's the... Like I, I love watching that tournament. It's like the top eight players in the world, uh, singles and doubles. And um, the level of tennis from the world go is unreal. But something was missing for me. Like I, I really am been struggling. Like I saw it in the French Open as well this year. I really struggled to get involved in the matches when I'm watching. And that's nothing. That's something I've never had to really even think about before. Like I put a tennis match on and I would just be engulfed in it. But I'm really struggling to get involved in the match when there's not a crowd. Have you guys felt anything mm. like that? Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Not, 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 and maybe you're, you're talking about more the a professional level? Is that you're yeah, talk, yeah, what you're talking yeah, about? Yeah, yeah, the top guys, yeah. Yeah, the, the top guys, it's is, is being very weird to see on TV that there's no crowd. Uh, you can really feel the difference on the player's mood. Like maybe yeah. even the, the celebrations, the reaction, reactions that they have after points, uh, they're not like they used to be probably in some of right. the players that they were more loud or something. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. Um, I would say the crowd, I've always considered it as an external factor. I put it in the category of wind, you know, sun, you know, humidity, climate conditions. And the crowd is definitely an external factor. And, a lot of players feed off of it. Some mm. might not need it as much, but those that really fed off of it, it's definitely been a challenge for them to perform at their best, I'd say. Yeah, I think it's a good point. Like, obviously, players perform well in different environments. So, like, obviously, you put someone like Nadal, right, on clay, he's a completely different animal compared to you put him on a fast indoor court. Obviously, he's still fantastic on a fast indoor court but you, you look at his career on the fast indoor court compared to clay um you can't compare the two and i feel there's a lot of players that really do well on the big stage and then when you see them like at the slams at times you see big names go on to smaller courts it definitely affects their performance and this year every match feels like it's a small court every match feels like they're on the outside courts and no one's really watching and It's going to be interesting to see because tennis is one of those sports where we love it. And probably if anyone is actually listening to us, people who are listening to this, they love tennis too. And I think it's a sport that if you fall in love with it, you love everything about it. It's just, it's an amazing sport, but it's very difficult for the, just someone who's never played or been involved in tennis to actually sit down and watch a whole tennis match. For us, like for me personally, I'm fascinated by every single point. I'm fascinated by what they're doing. I'm, you know, I can't take my eyes off it. If I watch a professional football match, I can kind of dip in and dip out because I don't have as much, res not respect, but I don't have as much, um, I can't relate to them as much as I can a professional tennis player. But it must be really difficult if we're struggling to watch tennis at this point when there's no crowd. Imagine a person who hasn't ever played or is just watching the French Open Uh, once a year like it must be very difficult it's gonna be interesting to see how tennis can bounce back from that as well for sure for sure i agree with that um i was gonna say though from if you compare us to other sports 
that are more contact based. I think that they've got they got the short straw in this more than us, just because mm. you know they've been shut down for longer. Probably yeah, definitely you know, checked up even more than than tennis players, and, and now they're allowing small crowds in some big games for for these team sports. But I would say uh, tennis has been uh, the one of the least affected in this case, but us being passionate tennis or tennis fanatics, we understand that yeah. the whole, uh, how the crowd is involved and how much it means to, for the players, for them being there. I don't know what y'all think about that. It's also interesting to see, mm, it's true that the negative side of that there's no crowd, but it's interesting to see how players have adapted and you can see that they're really professional because they really still get into the game and they still really want to to win that tournament or that match. And it, it looks, at least from, from TV, that it doesn't affect them. You know, at least they're so focused on, on, on the goal. Yeah, absolutely. I was watching Rafa on, um, on Thursday night, I think it was, and he wins the first set, he's cruising, and then all of a sudden he drops the second. And... Um, it, you know, he, he looked like, he, you know, I was watching, I was, you know, half kind of watching it and he's, he's up and he's, he's, he's set and I think set and he hadn't, hadn't been broken, but he's set and he's, he's cruising. And I was thinking typical Rafa is going to close this one out. And then all of a sudden he loses the second set. And which one with, with, with Medvedev? The last uh, one, the past match? No, no. Um, against, um, uh, since the past. And, uh, so yeah. he's, he's six, three. And then this pass breaks him at 5-4, right? And then you just see Rafa go over to the chair and there's, there was just no atmosphere at all. And then all of a sudden, that they, they, I don't think they'd broken the whole time until this pass broke him at 5-4. And then they go, I think it's like four or five breaks in a row. And then this Rafa goes into another yeah. gear and, and, yeah. and wins the match. And it's like, it shows just how good these guys are that even without a crowd getting behind them, they've still got, I mean, especially Rafa's won yeah. everything, maybe except for the ATP Top Finals, he's won everything. Like the guy could retire tomorrow and go down as maybe <laughs> the greatest, that would be, be a good topic for us to talk about at some point, but maybe the greatest player of all time, arguably, right? And right. he's still got that much drive to go out there and turn that set around and to, to go and finish as strong as he did. It's just amazing to see, yeah, as you said, like how professional these guys are, how much, how hungry they really are to watch it. It's not, exactly, it's, yeah. not it's not about the money or the, um, the, the crowd loving them. It's, it's the pure love for the sport and they, and they want to excel yeah. in it. So it was, that was fascinating for me to watch. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Rafa's a class act and I agree. Arguably one of the best of all times. And, you know, it'd be nice to see him win a, a final there just to get all the, or the notches there on his belt, you know? Yeah. Do you think it's uh, this one's been, this ATP Tour Finals has been an interesting one for me because obviously we've got um, two younger guys in the final now and they both beaten Rafa and, uh, and Djokovic. And I saw a post today on Instagram. It was like, is this the changing of the guards? And I think that might be a little bit early to say that this is changing the guards. Like, you know, like when we look back at like when Federer beat Sam, Sam for us at, at Wimbledon and like, that was like, we look back and say, okay, that's when Federer kind of burst on the scene and like, 
Um, obviously, he'd been there and thereabouts, but that was kind of like, it was a change of the guards. What do you think mm. about this moment we're, we're facing right now? Going into 2021, do you st- still think that, that Djokovic and Rafa and them injecting Federer back into it? I, I, won't, I won't put too much hopes on Murray, but <laughs> I would love to see him come back. <laughs> would be nice. Um, do you think that the, the younger guys, like Team Mevedev, do you think, um, you know, Tzavich, do you think that the Sitspassoy, do you think they're, they're have a year 2021? That'd be the year that they kind of break through and, and topple these guys, or do you think we've still got another couple of years to go? I would say um, it's, it's, it's tough to, you know, to pick a side there, but I can see. Um, a team, you know, probably winning a few French Opens once Rafa um, retires, I'd say. Probably he's going to be a, one of the top beasts up there. But I wouldn't say right away that Medvedev, the Zverevs, the Tsitsipas and the teams are going to take over the big three just because of what we've seen. Experience is, is a huge thing in the game. It's evolved so much. And you know how they used to say, He's getting old. He can't play anymore, and that's absolutely not true anymore. We're saying that for 15 years with Federer, aren't we? And he's still, we, he's still yeah, right. He's still, still there. Yeah. He's not gonna. Yeah. Yeah. He's still there, winning yeah. big matches, just keeping up with the pace. So, um, I honestly, I think that they've got a few more years in them that they're going to dominate, just experience-wise. That they just handle pressure better. I think that's the name of the game at the end of the day now. Yeah. It's who can handle pressure better because they can all hit the ball. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And we've seen that this week is that they can, they can, they can all um, go up a gear and, you know, like watching a team against Djokovic in that, in that final set tiebreaker, like wow. from like, was it four love he was down and then all of a sudden just like stepped it up and it was just like, I'm, it's unplayable. Unbelievable. What do you, what do you think? No, I think, I think, I mean, as a, as a big tennis fan, it's, it's hard to see that suddenly some younger players are, are going to take over right away, right? Uh, it it mm. looks like Mari said that maybe maybe we have to wait, at least this is my opinion, but we have to wait until some of the big three have to retire and just move out of the game completely. It, I, I, maybe, maybe I'm completely wrong, but I don't yeah, see yeah. A, a team or a Medvedev next year just winning three Grand Slam and becoming the next superstar or, or, of tennis, you know? I would say yeah. that's, yeah, and I agree with that. I would say that's a topic to, to bring up again once there's a year where one of the big three hasn't won a Grand Slam. And yeah, I think that's... hasn't won that, then, okay, we say, okay, who's going to be the next? Who's going to take over? Yeah, I mean, it's going to be so interesting to see whether the top three... We've never, like, in, in, in tennis, we've never had three guys that were so dominant. You know, like, each of them have had eras where they're just absolutely winning everything, right? You know, Federer's had his time, Rafa's had his time. Djokovic arguably has been the most consistent in that sense, where he's just had years where he was just winning everything he played. Um, and it's going to be difficult, I agree with you guys, to see a team or um, a Sitsipas or a Medvedev to come in and, and emulate that. I wonder, though, whether we're going to see these, the top three fade away and those guys overcome or they hold on. And when they start to feel like it might be their time, that's when they quit quits because mm-hmm. obviously they've got, you know, they've, they've been tennis for so long and they have won everything. 
will they stick around long enough for these guys to overtake them? Or will it be a case of they go, do you know what? I think this is, I'm, I'm, I'm getting to the point now where I don't know if I can be as dominant. That's where I want to quit. Um, it's going to be an interesting one to see how they deal with it. Yeah. Right. Well, what Pete did, he had a few more years in him to play. He just kind of saw everybody winding up with that big forehand, you know, and said, like, yeah. I can't handle this. My servant volley isn't going to cut it anymore. But, uh, but yeah, yeah, I don't know. It's a good, good, uh, good thing to keep an eye on. And so, like, with Federer coming back in 2021, he's going to, I mean, again, like, he's almost not really competed much in, in 2020 at all. And so he's basically had a year to recover, rest, mentally refresh. What are your predictions with him and uh, in 2021? I think he's he's on the he's completely on the game still. Yeah. He will be on the on on the one of the favorites for sure. I think. Yeah. How many how many times have people said about Rafa? Okay, he's he's done here, the guy. And he has well, we're to, yeah. We're talking about we're talking about Rafa's knees like ten years ago, and somehow they still yeah. <laughs> they seem to be and better still, these days. Exactly. Yeah, whatever. Because uh, I, I think they're just superstars, these guys. Yeah. While while they're still playing, they still got the chance. I think. Yeah. And honestly, as 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 much as I hate to say it, but Federer, the the less he practices, it's almost the better he gets. His his game <laughs> is so dependent on his. Uh, ability to anticipate and you know mm. take the ball early and he just he just three steps ahead of of every point when he's playing for every ball so I don't think it's going to affect him much I think he's going to come back and you know put in some good wins and be back up there yeah and I think it's it will be an interesting uh, thing to watch play out which one of these younger guys might start to push more like teams had a fantastic year this year if he wins tomorrow or today actually um, I mean US Open and ATP Tour Finals would be ridiculous in one year um, out of the guys that are pushing up like the Sitsipasses, Passes the Medvedevs the, um, the teams which one do you feel's game when we're talking about you know physical game now which one do you think is going to have the game that will last the, 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 a long period of time to be dominant in the game? If, gonna, if anyone's going to em, emulate anything like what we've seen with Federer, Nadal and Djokovic, and even Murray. That's a, that's a tough one. Huh? I, think, I think I really like Medvedev. I think he has got a, he, he's got a very serious game, the guy. He, mm. he has... He has Amazing! He's really aggressive. Uh, he's on the line all the time. Uh, it's very difficult to get him out of that area. He his serve is unbelievable. He can close up points at the net very easy. I think I think Medvedev has a game that it looks like can long for a very very long period of time. You know? Yeah, it's a non-strenuous game. I would agree with that for sure. It's uh, it's hard to to read sometimes because at times, like you said, he can be very aggressive. And then at times he'll, he'll, he'll come down a gear and he's counter punching and suddenly mm. he comes out with an amazing shot. You just, you don't know what to expect. He's just has amazing feel, amazing read of the game and not very strenuous. That body's going to last a long time, I think. Um, just to, to follow up on that, I think team is going to be, in my prediction, maybe not others, he's going to win the next five grand the next five french opens once rafa 
um, kind of fades out. I believe that he's going to be the next one. Just his his game. It's a big call, eh, Martin? That's a big call, but I I really think he's got it and he's mentally ready. And just his game on clay is unbelievable. Yeah, yeah I mean, I I would I would agree that obviously with team, I think the way he plays the you know he needs time on the ball, and. Clay definitely is going to be. Um, I think he's on the last two years. He's been the guy who's hit the ball the hardest on average over the last two years. He's obviously got a big game. Um, my concern with him, and I think it's definitely something that he could um, grow into, is just can he keep the level up playing that aggressive? Um, you know, someone like Federer, who is obviously the more aggressive than than the uh, the Rafa and Novak, he. He's definitely still got that. He's got the serve for one, so he's able to get himself out of positions with the out of tough situations with the serve. But he's also, I feel, got you know developed a way to be able to hold in the point. And I think team, he has that. But I feel it's still he's I, he's one of those guys where I'm like I'm nervous that if, you know if he's having a bad day, his level drops considerably compared to someone like a Federer, Rafa or Djokovic, if they're having a bad day, they can still hold a high level on average. That makes sense. So, um, Medvedev for me, again, I feel like he's he's the guy that I would lean towards. Um, Zverev, we haven't really talked about. and I'm not convinced by him at all. Like, obviously, he can come out and, and perform um, unbelievable at times. But mentally, I don't think he's he's shown much that he's going to be able to be one that's consistently winning slams or being very dominant. Um, but Medvedev, the only thing I have with Medvedev, and I don't know how you guys feel about this, the forehand. Like, it's got to be one of the ugliest strokes I've ever seen. But it works. And I it don't know matter. how. Like, I cannot for the life of me figure out how this guy makes forehands at times. Like, I'm like, it goes against everything that we would think technically yeah. would be a solid. But it's just like, I was watching a point with him and Rafa the other day and he like, he finished this long point where he actually did a really good job of kind of going from neutral into, into offense and then he was back into defense and neutralized the point again. He's, he's so, I think he's so good at being able to play in all three positions, whether he's been offensive, neutral <laughs> or defensive when he's, he's got that such big wingspan. And then all of a sudden he's, he just out of nowhere just slaps a forehand winner cross court or inside out and I was like but it was the ugliest thing I've seen but it just went flying past Rafa who's obviously one of the best movers out there and I just the only concern I'd have of it is the more pressure these guys feel because winning when you're young yes there's a pressure to that but winning when you're at the top of the game. Like I was watching an uh, uh, interview with Djokovic the other day and he was actually doing it with Sampras. And he said, getting to number one is one thing. Staying at number one and when uh, the target is on your back, that's where the real pressure's at. And I just feel like, I'm not, I'm, I, I hope it does. I'm just not convinced if that forehand is going <laughs> to hold up. <laughs> like um, To stay there, no? To stay at number right. one, no? Yeah, and that's, that's what we that's, were saying before, right? That's what what we were mentioning before. Like, uh, if 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 some of these young guys are gonna take over, and and pretty much all of us said that, okay, just yeah. to stick uh, and change the com the complete, uh, you know, situation, maybe not. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Um, I, I I obviously the forehand doesn't look amazing, but he can do so much with it. <laughs> yeah, for sure. That's what amazes me about it. 
you can go through it, you know, and uh, I don't know if it's going to be a factor that's going to determine whether he can make, if he makes it to number one, if he can stay there. But, um, I mean, the guy's an, an amazing player, amazing competitor, mentally tough, shows no emotions. So I think he's got it. So we'll yeah, see. I think, yeah, I think, and again, going back to the 2020 topic, I think this year is definitely shown which players are more mentally resilient because it's obviously been a tough year. Again, tennis was, you know, put on hold for a while, but as Martin said, we, we've, we've been lucky in the sense we've been able to watch tennis for a lot longer periods of time than, say, like professional football or whatever. But it's obviously been a, a difficult year for some people. Um, and it's been interesting to, interesting to see how these young guys have dealt with that because obviously they would never have gone through like that. And then... Um, what about the what about the the level below, like the challenges and the futures, um, and how this year has affected that? Because mm-hmm. we all know that that professional tennis is not all glamorous, like we you know the ATP um, finals. Mm-hmm. That's not that's not reality really for most tennis players. Most tennis players are living week to week, trying to either gain one or two points, trying to get into tournaments, trying to figure out how they're going to afford to pay for that week, how they afford to um, pay to get to that tournament. Um, and the pressure on them in a normal year is ridiculous. Um, and we know that it's just so hard to become, to, to, to break through because of all of this. It's such a top-heavy sport when it comes to mm. the financial rewards. How do you, or do you know, how it's gone for a lot of the guys at that level well i i think i think this is a very interesting question and actually a very interesting you know a topic to talk about because like you said the professional level is always the easiest way always to talk about because it's what we always see in tv but uh, you mm-hmm. know the semi-professional level maybe the, the, the future and challengers mm-hmm. is, is affecting a lot uh, uh, during this pandemic um, in fact if, if you go now in the ITF website uh, you can see that the calendar in I don't know maybe 75 80 percent of the of the tournaments that there were scheduled have been can, have been cancelled and uh, not only that uh, this means that because a lot of tournaments have been cancelled what's happening is that many players that were supposed to play futures or challengers according to the ranking they had at the moment are not being uh, they're not able uh, they're not able to go to those tournaments because they're cancelled so what's happening is they go they just go to the tournaments that are available yeah yeah so and what happens is that for example two weeks ago i was in this future in spain uh, we, it was a fifteen thousand um mm. future okay and yeah, the, the, the draw was extremely tough, you know, because uh, the, the cut uh, to get in the, in, the, in the draw was below the 500, which is, this yeah. is not normal, right? So it's not normal for 15, you yeah. Future, exactly, you see a future being played, but it can be perfectly uh, a challenger because of the level yeah. of players they're, they're in. And I think that's, that's going to be you know the financial side obviously is going to be tough but if you can't get into tournaments even if you can afford to go to the tournament if you can't get in and you haven't got chances to try and and gain points and and move the ranking up then 
that could be the that could be a the 2020 could be a year where you basically just say i can't do this anymore and it's going to be again very interesting and i hope this is not the case but seeing a lot of players drop off um after uh, you know after 2020 and maybe it gives you know some some junior players who maybe are coming out of college um this year or you know junior players that are you know breaking through at the top top end of the itf rankings a chance to go in and and get through the rankings quicker because a lot of the players that are sitting in that thousand to five hundred that maybe this year have said you know what this isn't for me i've been mm-hmm. doing this for too long now and i've had and the 2020s kind of killed my career and then we've got this influx of younger players coming in and then they shoot up the rankings because there's more availability so i think 2021 for tennis is going to be a really interesting because again for for anybody who's listening yes of course we're, we're, we're big fans of um the professional game and we'll watch that religiously but we're pl- we're very much and have been plugged into that level of tennis is the okay. Um, the futures, the challenges, the the junior level tournaments. That's that's what tennis has been for us for the last, um, well, for our yeah. whole career because we never got to the top of the top of the game, you know. So yeah. this is a, this is the, these are the people that we know personally, and these are the tournaments that you know we've been around, and it's it's going to be again. Hopefully, I don't know if the ATP or um, the ITF have got anything set in place to help these players out. I haven't seen anything. Um, if there's any financial packages they put together for players, I haven't seen anything, so, so either, I, no, I don't no, think so either. right now. No, I don't know. But um, it's going to be interesting to see what players survive 2020 um, and their careers survive 2020. Because even in a normal year, a tennis player at that level, which I think most people don't really understand, for a player who's, you know, from 1500 down to you know 500, if they have a bad year, that could be it because it's just it's so hard to keep going. And then, mm-hmm. you know, it'd be very, very interesting to see for next year. So, um, yeah, any, anything else, guys, that you've noticed about 2020 that is, um, that maybe you might see a knock-on effect for uh, 2021? Anything that you guys, that springs out to you that we haven't touched upon? It's hard to say. It would be uh, this staying on the same topic of challenges and futures. It'd be nice to see um, if or how big the calendar is going to be. If there's going to be enough tournaments mm. for these players to, uh, you know, be able to compete and keep that keep that match play going on, so that they can continue to develop. And uh, like you said, if if that doesn't happen, I think that's going to be a deciding factor whether they can continue or not. Because mm. traveling to tournaments and you know playing qualifyings and is you know, you're not making any yeah. money until you get to that first round and you're still not right. covering the cost. So yeah. right. yeah. it's going to be worth it. I, I just hope that we can, they can create some more tournaments for them. Yeah, and I think it's important to say for anybody who's what, who listening and uh, maybe doesn't know much about that side of tennis is that it is extremely difficult to make any money or even break even unless you are realistically i think it's like top 200 top 150 to break even at one point and players are really really struggling um at the and again when you look at a guy who's you've got atp points you know even 1500 in the world these are high level athletes these guys are extremely good at their sport and they're just not getting paid anything 
and um, it's it's already they're already you know running up a very steep hill. Something like 2020 come along and, and really hurt them. Something we haven't touched upon today is college tennis. I mean, college tennis has taken a huge hit, especially on the men's side. The women's side, I think, is a little bit more protective with something things like Title Nine. Um, but I mean, we've seen an influx of um, men's tennis programs just being cut all across America at the universities. Yeah. And again, that is going to have a knock-on effect. With you know, I know they've given players years back so players didn't lose the year of eligibility but again um how do you think that's going to play out when it comes to um new players coming in because i you know I, and Bulls, you're kind of involved in the recruiting world of things and i've i've been involved in that heavily in the past and when you've got limited amount of scholarships to uh, to give out anyway and then you've got to you know you've got to give <laughs> Back scholarships you thought at the beginning of 2020 you were going to be able to have for 2021 and now you don't have them because you've got to give them back to players mm. that are, are staying do you think it's going to limit the opportunity for players to go to college um for, for this next couple of years yeah bro I'm, i will say yes but i i think i think nobody knows the the, the real answer of what's really going to yeah. happen uh, i mean the most common thing now is is that that, that players that want to go there especially in the family side, is that, well, they have a lot of doubts that is the, is the safest moment to go there. Uh, mm. They're unsure what's going to happen if, if they go there. So really, really, the, the, the answer is not clear. Uh, I'm sure mm. the, 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 the organizations in America are doing the best to, to try to at least keep it safe to play sports. Mm. Uh, but the answer, I think, is not clear. And for recruits coming in, um, in the in the recruiting side from coaches, it's it can be tricky as well because if if like we said earlier, uh, many players are not being able to play tournaments or even practice. So uh, what happens here is that uh, American coaches are constantly looking for new recruits and new rankings or, or how are those players uh, doing in in those tournaments. But because there are no tournaments and no results. It's also affecting uh, the, you know, the recruiting process. It's going to be a challenge, yeah. I think. It's a very valid point, um, Marty. What about you know, from from what you've seen, what do you think is going to happen with college tennis for the next? It's going to it's going to be a knock-on effect. It's not going to be just next year. For all of this stuff, I think hmm. it's not just because right. again we have the. It's going to roll. It's not like. Um, at New Year's Eve, it's just all going to be magically fixed, you know. So it's going to take a while for everything to get back to, to normal. What do you think, Mari, about college tennis and, and uh, yeah, no, the future? I, I agree with, with, with what John said. You know, it's a, it's a time of uncertainty and, uh, you know, you don't know if you might get recruited for 2021 and come the fall semester of that year and they cut the program. So you're really, you know, just placing your best bet to see what, what's yeah. best for you. I would, uh, I would still encourage players that are in, in 2020 were thinking of going to college to, and if they get the opportunity to go for it, because it's an experience, whether you get the finish or, or not, your degree, see if something bad were to happen. But yeah, um, yeah no, just it's a tough time. You just don't know what's going to happen. Yeah, I think, uh, yeah, you, I mean, I agree with, with all, both your points. I think it is an uncertainty. I don't think even the NCAA really knows what's going to, what's going to happen. And 
as I think Mario, I think it's an important point what you said there is I think anyone who is listening who is maybe considering still going to to play college tennis, if you get the opportunity to do it, do it. Because it was for me the best experience I could ever imagine that changed my life completely. And, you know, I met these two guys and we've, you know, we're how many years on are we now? Eight years on? And, <laughs> yeah, most uh, of the years, I think. Yeah. And we're still, you know, we're still in love with the sport and we're still, we've, we're all from different sides of the world. You know, Vols is from Spain, Mali from Argentina, I'm from England and um, all on um, different countries right now, but we're able to still reconnect. And there's a lot of people that we connected with through those four years. So it's not just about the tennis part. It's also about the people you meet and experiences you have. Um, and I really connect, hope. Yeah, different level, different level yeah, of connection. Absolutely. And I really hope that the NCAA can um, can find a way to still give the opportunity for people to go and experience that. Because um, I was very sad to see these programs get cut that quickly as well. Um, with, a, it's like, it was, I think the one day they cut like 15 programs in a day I saw. And it was like, it's just devastating for people that, who, you know, have friends and have built a life for that at that university and then all of a sudden they're, they're told hey next year you're out and you've got to go find another university yeah. you've got to kind of start the whole thing again and you know especially for a college tennis player if that happens um towards the end of your college experience it can it could really taint your experience and put a lot of pressure on your your final years um but yeah so hopefully they do find a solution to that but i think we'll wrap it up today guys and um i really appreciate you guys um, if anyone was listening, um, again, this is just a platform for, for us to get together, very close friends who have a massive passion for the sport. And we just feel that the conversation about tennis needs to, to continue, especially through these tough times, but it needs to be something that um, happens regularly and, and, and using these platforms is a great way to do it and get different perspectives. Nothing that we said today and our opinions that we think is set in stone. We, we want to hear feedback from anyone who does listen and your opinions and we'll, we'll talk about them. We have got plans of bringing people on to share more opinions and more experiences um, in the tennis world. So um, guys, have you, have you got anything else to say? Any, any last? Uh... Yeah, just to piggyback on what you said, if uh, anyone who's listening has any pain points that they would like us to address, you know, please uh, reach out to us. We're all on Instagram, Facebook. And, you know, we'd love to hear from you guys, see what, what you guys would like and we'd address it and find people that are even deeper involved with those specific pain points and mm. you know, they could bring their opinions too. We, we have a lot of contacts around the world. So, yep. Cool. All right, guys. Well, you've been listening to the Let's Talk Tennis podcast. And uh, until the next episode, we'll see you later and stay safe. See you, boys. Bye. See you guys. See you.